Okay. Hi, everyone. This is Kyle, the, your second favorite host of the Big Bang Theory Theory. I'm here with my buddy Nick, where on this podcast we talk about episodes of the Big Bang Theory. It's true. It's a television show that we decided we wanted to watch several years ago to examine what it's all about. Why do nerds hate it so much? Why, why do people who aren't nerds love it? And uh, I think our conclusion is that, uh, I don't know, it stinks and people are stupid. That's, you, that's why. And hey, we got some more reviews on iTunes. Thank you. And uh, yeah, you're right. We don't like the show. That's, I guess if you're not down with the premise, you're not going to enjoy the rest of it. But it is true. And Although I will this say is- this. I was watching um, How I Met Your Father just because I was curious because I was a huge How I Met Your Mother fan back in the day. All and right. How, How I Met Your Father, I can already tell, is working very hard both to be relevant to current day trends, uh, like Tinder, am I right? And also to be like one hundred, like 150% less problematic than How I Met Your Mother. And somehow, so. somewhere, it, it's just not as funny. It's not in fact it's not funny at all. It is it might actually be less funny than the Big Bang Theory because at least the big and that is a weird statement from so, to say. So here's what's up everyone. If you're listening to the show, chances are that you might not be a fan of the Big Bang Theory and that's fine. But more likely you are a fan of it and you found our show by accident and you're kind of surly right now, but here's what's up. Uh, people who love the show apparently also love us, and if you don't believe that, listen to the end of the episode, and then decide whether or not to be mad at us after you're done, because we already got you. But, uh, the reason I brought that up is obviously, we find disappointment with other things, too. We're not just picking on your show. Kyle's not happy with anything, I'm not happy with anything, that's why we- Well, actually, and, spoiler alert, I'm with you- uh, on the Big Bang Theory today, friend, fans of the fans of the actual TV show, but I'm going to make you feel real weird about it. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. So let's uh, go ahead and dive into our short summary then. Uh, and so we've been front loading reviews. This is season five, episode twenty one, the Hawking Excitation. And I'm not going to say I hated this. Like I said, it just kind of washed over me. So I'm going like four out of thirteen. But the, Kyle, how do you feel? I'll tell you after you summarize the episode. Oh, Kyle, all right. That's, ooh, that's, you're breaking the rules, but I'm going to allow it. So, yes, yeah, season five, episode I'm trying 21. to create some dramatic structure, Nick. I understand, and I'm leaning into it. All right, Jesus Christ. Good. The Hawking Excitation. I've Name been reading thus- some uh, Agatha Christie novel. I've been reading The Styles Affair, which is the first Hercule Poirot mystery, so I really I'm really dialed into how important it is to, you know, you know, set out some red herrings, uh sure. create some misdirection, uh yeah. totally stall your co-host's momentum at every possible turn. These right. are all important aspects of dramatic tension. Well, I look forward to that uh, aspect being brought up over and over again, as I'm sure it will be. But I'm going to try it again one more goddamn time. Season 5, episode 21, The Hawking Excitation, named such because, spoiler alert, very end of the episode, Stephen Hawking does indeed make a cameo. uh, And the whole thrust of the episode is that Wallowitz gets to... uh, It's kind of weird. He gets to be his escort, essentially. He is the engineer who will be keeping uh, Dr. Hawking's chair in shape. Uh, For those who do not know, uh, Stephen Hawking is ALS. He uses an electric wheelchair. He's largely immobile. Well, if we're going to do that, then I feel like we have to go back an extra step and say Stephen Hawking is, was, he's passed away now, but 
during his lifetime, he was widely regarded to be the greatest living astrophysicist, sort of the successor to like Albert Einstein or Isaac Newton as this guy who's, you know, mathematical and uh, abstract theories of science totally redefined our understanding of like black holes and quantum physics and stuff so both a celebrity but not like the neil deGrasse tyson type of celebrity where he's mostly famous as like a science explainer like he did some really fucking hard mathematics and hard like scientific speculation that put him on the map and earned like the respect of his peers and then he became sort of a breakout you know pop culture figure and yes he had als and was in a wheelchair for much of his life. And so Wallowitz, uh, being the mechanical engineer of the group, gets to be the guy that maintains his chair while he is uh, doing uh, a visit at the university. And Sheldon, uh, overcome with jealousy, but not like petty jealousy, more like, please, please, please let me be a part of this jealousy, wants to take advantage of that connection to get a paper of his to... Hawking, because Sheldon coincidentally has made his own discovery, uh, something to do with the Higgs boson particle. That's as much as I can make of it. And so the rest of the episode is basically Wallowitz lording over Sheldon that he has uh, access uh, to uh, Hawking and that he could deny that it will. And so uh, he uh, tells Sheldon straight up that uh, he's basically like, have you heard of the 12 uh, labors of Hercules? Because that is uh, nothing compared to what you're going to go through. And so the only, uh, well, we, give it to, we get to see like two real examples of it. One is Sheldon. Oh, and this is all, yes, to get access. So it's, it's in exchange to get the paper to, to Hawking. And so uh, Sheldon has to polish all of Wallowitz's belt buckles, which he has approximately 100 of. Uh, he also has to go dress shopping with Wallowitz's mom, which is actually a, a favor Bernadette calls in. Uh, Bernadette does a little moralizing uh, near the climax of the episode to say, hey, and actually, this is a surprisingly compassionate take. Bernadette says to Wallowitz, what you're doing to Sheldon is wrong, and you need to stop. You're lording this power over him, and you're hurting him. And Wallowitz is like, why shouldn't I? Like, he's he's like this to me constantly. Like, he's always putting me down. He's always egging me on. Like, he he's he's made me miserable. And Bernadette is like, but Sheldon really can't help himself. Like, he he doesn't even understand what he's doing. You are actively being mean. Wallowitz is like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. But Bernadette nonetheless is like, oh, but he's absolutely going to take your mom dress shopping tomorrow instead of me. And so there is a scene. Fortunately, uh, Wallowitz's mom is still off camera the entire time, though I, I do secretly hope she is one day revealed. And Sheldon has the displeasure of trying to force her tits and ass into a tight dress that she can't fit into all behind a robe in a, you know, a changing room. And so, yeah, while it eventually breaks down, grants Sheldon access, uh, also admits that in spite of the horrors he's put in putting Sheldon through, that uh, he already gave the paper to, to Hawking, like at the beginning of the week, because he's been a bro all along. It's been a big prank. It's been a big goof. Uh, and, and Sheldon does get to meet... Uh, the, the very final scene is, yeah, Sheldon meets Hawking. They discuss the paper. Hawking's like, oh, by the way, you made an arithmetic problem on, like, page two of 100 or whatever this thing is. Uh, and Sheldon passes out, and Hawking's like, oh, God, another fainter. Here we go. Um, and I did skip over a scene remembering where uh, Penny sees Sheldon doing uh, Wallowitz's laundry, kind of debasing himself. And 
She kind of tries to give him a pep talk. It doesn't really go anywhere. So there's, yeah, I guess that's why I skipped over it. Kyle, uh, that was a summary. Tell us how you feel about it. First, what were the examples you put of Sheldon's humiliation again? Uh, the belt buckle sh- uh, polishing and the dress shopping with Wallowitz mom. Amateur. So I am going to give this episode, I hope you are ready, an unprecedented 12 out of 13. I was not ready. Continue. This is, hands down, my favorite episode of The Big Bang Theory that I have ever seen. And I will tell you why. Because what Nick is, what poor. I, I think I know little... what you're getting to, and we need to talk about it because I have other feelings about it than you do, obviously, but go ahead. What poor little innocent Nicholas is missing is that this episode, what he would have no way of knowing, and what I have no way of proving, but feel certainly down to my very core, is that this entire episode of broadcast television is someone's sexual fetish. And they got it into an episode of TV. And good for them. Good for you, random right. TV writer. You managed to take your deepest, dirtiest, most shameful kinks. And you turn them into a plot to satisfy all of America. And you slid it so under the radar that someone like Nick can watch it. And it just totally goes right through his smooth little vanilla brain. But I know. Kyle knows what you did. And Kyle likes it. So well done. Hats off to you, sir. Full respect. Congratulations. You did it. You did it for all of us, you bastard. You beautiful bastard. You did it. Are you just talking about the Dom positivity, or are you referring to something else here? No. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Dom positivity. The I'm talking very specific. I mean, there are several things in this episode, but I'm talking very specifically about the scene that you neglected to mention where Wallowitz, after making... After making uh, Sheldon clean his piss-covered belt buckles. So right right after the scene where Wallowitz comes back, Daddy Wallowitz, as I will call him, comes back to find that little Sheldon has cleaned his piss-stained belt buckles to a high shine. He says, now for your next task, I have this French maid's uniform that I got for Bernadette. And she did not wish to wear. And Sheldon's like, so you want me to return this? And Wallowitz goes, oh, no, no, no. Literally, his exact words are, oh, no, 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 mon petit cher. And we are treated to the sight of Sheldon walking into the Caltech cafeteria wearing a French-made costume, humiliated in front of all of his peers, while Wallowitz, we can't see, but presumably under the table, spots the single largest boner of his entire life, having completely sissified and emasculated his friend. Kyle, Kyle, oh my god. The degree to which you were projecting. Like, I mean, if I can easily imagine so many people who do feel this way about that interaction... I don't think Wallowitz is one of them. And the fact that you're giving this 12 out of 13, you are obviously so horned up about this. And that's okay. And I'm going to say that uh, part of the reason that I skipped over the French maid outfit uh, isn't because it isn't significant to the episode, which, I mean, it's it's not really, if I'm going to be honest. But because uh, I was like, oh, he doesn't look that great in it. I expected Sheldon would have better legs or something. I just... Uh, 
I don't know. I thought that seeing Sheldon in a, a French maid's outfit would somehow actually be hornier for me. And I, yeah, I, I was dead to it. So, but That's... I think I think you are trying to displace your own horniness onto Wallowitz here, Kyle. I'm calling you out. Now, I'm not displacing anything. I am admitting that, like, rec- you know how in, like, Dexter, Dexter can always spot the other serial killers in the room because he himself is a serial killer? I'm saying that's what's happening here. I, I assume that's what happens in Dexter. I remember watching the first episode. He opens a box of donuts that has no donuts in it and, and trying to explain his uh, sociopath, he says, Oh, look, empty like me i was like i don't need to watch any more dexter so (laughs) (laughs) i am i'm not and to be fair i'm not saying that my specific kink involves uh forcing men to play dress up and feel uh feel like little girls i'm not saying it's not that either i'm saying whatever i feel deep down inside is is at least close enough to that that i know what's going on here this whole episode is lifted right out of something that you would find in the mid-2000s tumblr fan fiction forum which i did not ever expect a place that the big bang theory would go but this whole episode is just uh it is a classic example of what we might call depending on who you ask either a brat tamer plot or a training plot um a slave training plot but either way you look at it the only thing that's really missing from this episode is a scene where after he wears that costume Wallowitz takes him back to uh, his place and makes him uh makes him uh say unspeakably foul things which I won't even say on our podcast while he shoves items of increasing size up his rectum so it is beautiful and I love it all right well again I it seems we are learning a whole lot about eyebrow raised Wallowitz in this episode so that's exciting it was his idea someone in the writer's room pitched that yes they didn't, someone they didn't just... in the writer's room did kyle someone in the writer's room has feelings similar to yours I'm and, saying... and it got onto the sh- i'm saying i'm not saying that we that like obviously these things i'm not saying that if you like because these characters I'm, are not written I'm consistently saying... i'm just saying the way in which this episode makes the most sense is if you just assume that what we are finding out is that wall and really would it be that surprising to find out that wallowitz howard wallowitz this whole time you know man of misplaced sexuality and daddy issues uh who's you know who's like 90% of his identity is built around the fact that his mo- he still lives with his mommy and, you know, insists that she takes care of him, that like he's 12, that we find that he has some weird, even weirder sexual kinks than we previously had suspected. Would that really Kyle. be that out of character? But it doesn't matter. It's not really about him. It's about the people who make this show and their filthy, filthy minds. If If we're going to be just blowing up again... Quote unquote in the air, Wallowitz's sexual kicks. I'm going to admit to you right now the only thing that uh, kind of got the hairs on the back of my neck a tingling where uh, when Bernadette comes over uh, to, to stay over with Wallowitz at their place, which I still think is weird because they live with Wallowitz's mom. But I was like, you know, I bet it would be uh, pretty good to have an overlording mom and then just to have reckless uh loud gleeful i meant to say reckless abandoned sex that disregards the mom's feelings i bet that would be a freeing thing and for a moment i imagined having cool fun sex with bernadette but that happens most episodes i just don't imagine also 
the uh, the Wallowitz frame of mind while I'm doing it, which did get me that much more passionate for those fleeting moments. So uh, there I was. That's my thing is I, I want to make Wallowitz mom know that I don't care about her feelings. That's what well, that's, I'm into. Well, that's fine. And that is that's totally fine. But uh, and you're allowed to feel that way. But again, a detail that you are missing because you're just not quite kinky enough is that in this episode sure. we find out that every time Bernadette comes over to bang Wallowitz, <laughs> she says this. Her mo- the Wallowitz's mom bangs her, like slaps her on the tush and says, "Go get him," implying that maybe while they're having their loud sex, you know, Wallowitz's mom is in the other room listening to them and getting incredibly turned on as she, you know, imagines herself uh, her surrogate fucking her son. And think I mean, about that. It- I'll think about it. That's fine. I mean, if it works out for everybody, Wallowitz doesn't need to know. It's not hurting him. That's and fine. And then they can all take turns pissing in Sheldon's mouth because that's all he's good for. Well, hey, now, let's not get nasty about it, all right? It was all, all fine. You know, the three people making sure that they're all violating each other's personal space with loud sex noise and recycling those noises in a way that is semi-incestual. That was all just fine. But we get back to our earlier... Sheldon drinking piss days. I think maybe we have to reflect on how far we've come. All right. Sheldon does love that piss. I don't know. Anything else that you... Because, like, I've told you how I feel about this episode. And again, did not hate. Obviously didn't have the feelings you did about it. But, like, anything else that you want to get into? <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, other than the intense... Uh... In text sexual fetishizing, I guess I will, uh, we can talk about, so this episode continue, I think this is like the second or third consecutive episode in which Amy doesn't appear. And that's I didn't like, think about it during, but that's 100% true, yes. Well, I mostly noticed because they have a line in there where Penny is like, uh, where again, Sheldon is watching, uh, Leonard's underwear, nothing weird about that, and then, uh, because let's think about that. Because Leonard's mom obviously always washes his underwear and is happy to do it. So in making she- in making Sheldon watch Leonard's underwear or Howard's underwear, it's not even about the fact that the underwear doesn't normally get washed and Howard wants someone else to do it. It's entirely about Howard feeling the power of making Sheldon wash his unmentionables. That's the only reason he's making him do it. Um, yeah. God, I love well, it. No, there, there's um, nothing about this episode that's that suggests that, oh, Wallowitz actually needs help with these things. Thank goodness Sheldon's available. It's obviously about debasing Sheldon. I I understand the, the kink elements you're thriving on here, but it wasn't mind-blowing to suggest that, yes, this was all about power to begin with. Yes, good. <laughs> I'm just making sure we're on the same page. But anyway, uh, Penny goes, oh, are those Amy's uh, leopard skin panties? That's awfully uh, trashy, but good for her. And then, of course, they're not. They're Howard's. But um, but I was like, oh, they're reminding you that she's a character. Or I guess I, they're signaling to the audience that she hasn't been written out of the show, <laughs> even though she, she hasn't been in a couple of episodes. I'm, like, mad now. I'm like, somebody has to have sex with Amy. I don't know who, but, like... Somebody needs to make that happen. Like I know well, that Daddy Howard should have sex with her in front of uh, in front of Sheldon while he's not allowed to masturbate. All right. I mean, if that's if that's how you want it, fine. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to continue to to lean into this and not judge, but I'm not going to I'm not going to put any of this on Wallowitz. <laughs> um, it would it would be a better show. 
If every episode was like I guess this, it, it would, would be a much better show. Well, that reminds me. So I uh, I was thinking about this recently where I think one of our recent reviews that, you know, again, points out that our show is dog shit, which, by the way, uh, anyone listening to this, please feel free to give us reviews, good or bad. Uh, right now, we have a perfectly even 3.0 on iTunes, which I think speaks to the honesty of what we're putting out there. We don't have all these shills coming up saying, oh, God, it's great. You got to listen. No, we have people on here who are like, hey, I thought I was going to hate this and I didn't. And people are like, hey, I thought I was going to hate this, and I did. Nobody goes in thinking they're going to like it, and you're right not to. But we appreciate the honesty. Yeah, nobody feels milk toast about it. That's pretty cool. Uh, but regardless, um, the thing I was thinking about is uh, some people, more, more than a few, uh, who don't like our show keep suggesting that like we're taking it too seriously, we take ourselves too seriously, or uh, we, we have too high of a standard for sitcoms. And... I, again, was kind of thinking, like, I think maybe I really do have too high of a standard. And I think that now that we are watching The Big Bang Theory, I'm real... Well, now, now that we're watching, we're doing it for four years. But this is, like, my first commitment to, like, a long-term, regular, like, broadcast sitcom. Like, I'd never really committed to one of these before. I'd have, like, whatever like, limited show I'd watched that would die, but, like, this is the first long haul I've been in, and I think when we watched that video together on um, Rick and Morty <laughs> about serialization versus, like, episodic and, like, the the difference in stakes, uh, it got me thinking about how, like, oh, man, I am too hard on the Big Bang Theory because, like, and we talked about before how the lack of stakes are there, and that's, like, inherent in sitcom structure, but... I nonetheless felt disappointed. And so I was, I was thinking like, ah, I've really got to reevaluate. I have been too hard on this show. The listeners are right. Say second thought, eat shit listeners. I've been, I was watching the latest season of letter Kenny Canadian sitcom. I've probably mentioned it on the show before as a recommend. And I think it's fantastic that their seasons have stakes like, their seasons are only, like, ten episodes long, but, like, at the end of the last season, everyone's gonna beat the shit out of each other out of relationship drama. And then the first episode of the new season is, okay, there's a fight, and then everyone resets and kind of gets back to their business. And I'm like, that was satisfying enough for me. And if this show did anything like that, where, like, if I had any sense that we were building up to something, they could, in the beginning of the next season, be like, whoops-a-daisy, whatever, that was just a goof, and then start building up to the next thing... I would be excited to know that these waves, however temporary they may be, were at least coming to crash against me instead of being just moreless on this dead sea. And so that's, uh, I guess, that's where I'm at thinking about yeah. this show. <laughs> I think uh, we talk about the show a lot, but we've never talked about this aspect of it. I feel like Peep Show did a pretty good job of that because yes. it would like... It, it would basically every season would have its own set of running jokes and like and like you know most actually it's not even really running it was just like you had to track the characters because the characters well not even the main characters all of the peripheral characters who were just these recurring joke characters but every time you saw them it was like like when you weren't watching the show basically their lives advanced so that yeah 
so that like it's every time you met them, it was like, what happened? What's what's ha- what's been up with you since the last time we saw you? Still up to the same old shit? He's like, no, actually, I'm addicted to cocaine now. Yeah, like Super Hans, like is just like the fun druggy character. He could be totally one note, and instead. Every time you check in with him, he's had a new relationship. He's been through a new series of crimes. He casually drops that he has twins. He's never speaking to like it's, and yeah, and yeah like you, it's nothing significant enough ever happens to that character <laughs> that affects the show in a way that like requires long commitment that might drag it down. But they are still living complete lives in the background. Yeah, well, you, sorry, I'm just supporting you. You were right, and I agree. There. Okay. Uh, the only other thing, I guess, that I really want, it's not like a big thing, but uh, it was interesting to see. I think they talked about Stephen Hawking on this show before. I wonder if he was even in an episode, and I'm just forgetting about it. It but, feels uh, that way. Regardless, be, while I was uh, thinking about him and uh, – his career, I was like, I don't actually know that much about Stephen Hawking, so I went into a deep dive on Wikipedia, and uh, I learned a bunch of interesting stuff about his life and about singularity theory and whatever. But uh, interestingly enough, I suppose, apropos of, it's actually one of the more appropriate cameos on this show that we've had. I guess that's mostly what I'm trying to say for a couple of reasons. probably my favorite cameo, but yeah, go ahead. I mean, the first thing is, Stephen Hawking is, like, canonically the kind of like the guy who does the same work that Sheldon is trying to do and the kind of guy that Sheldon would be interested in impressing like he literally wrote one of the books on the big bang theory so it it actually it makes sense and also I didn't know this but um because I don't know if we've ever talked about this but we ne- I don't think they ever tell you what school this is that they all go to but as no, I was we, we've sussed it out over time but they never are explicit about it Right, I was just looking into the Wikipedia, and it's like, well, Stephen Hawking spends most of his or spent most of his time in England, but he tended to spend about a month of the, uh, out of the year at Caltech in Pasadena, uh, California. And I was like, oh, Caltech, of course. So yes. it's not even that it's not even that crazy. I don't know if the part about him having like a a special wheelchair guy is true at all. That's that sounds absurd. like completely made up. Um, yes. That but, that is them. Oh, I, that's what I. So I in my notes uh, I put that plot device there with the note under it just hackneyed because they're looking for any excuse to attach Wallowitz to, to Stephen Hawking. Maybe it's not even true. I mean, we never see the two of them spending any time together. You know, it would be really if we found out that Wallowitz. Well, I mean, it's true that Stephen Hawking is coming, but Wallowitz actually has no connection to Stephen Hawking whatsoever, and is just pretending to to gain all of this power over Sheldon. Oh, and that reminded me of what I thought was going to be a joke that didn't pay off. Was uh, again, Wallowitz is the, the chair engineer, herditor, and at one scene, uh, he casually starts handing out these little souvenirs and everyone's like what are these and they're like oh they're parts from stephen hawking's wheelchair oh, I yeah, was, I for- you know doing maintenance on it and i just couldn't figure out where these were supposed to go and so it's like a fun throwaway joke but i was really waiting for them there to be a mechanical problem with the chair that wallowitz was gonna have to like take the hit for um and so oh and something else i skipped over in this episode is one the final most Herculean of the tasks that Wallowitz asks of Sheldon is for Sheldon um, to give him a genuine compliment on his work. And Sheldon's like, oh, yeah, no, you're good at your work. And Wallace is like, oh, my God, like how I can't believe that just happened. Are you serious? That was so easy. 
Like, and, and Sheldon's like, oh, don't misunderstand me. Like, I've never questioned whether or not you are great in your field. I don't doubt that. It's just the work you do has no meaning. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> and so yeah, it's, it's like, not oh, worth Sheldon. <laughs> yeah, not worth doing. So, ah, uh, he gets him anyway. He's but, such a brat, that Sheldon. But He's going like, to get for that later. But to tie a joke like that together with a situation here where Wallowitz very likely did something wrong and is incompetent would have been rewarding writers. Hey, if I could go back 10 years ago and be in the room, that would have been my note. Look at me judging it from afar. But yeah, anyway, (sighs) do we want to talk about things we like now? I don't know. Let's talk about (laughs) things we like. All right. Hey, everyone. If you've never listened to the show before, we make a hard left turn to talk about things that we would recommend uh, you check out. Uh, Nerdy things that uh, you can watch instead of or in addition to The Big Bang Theory. I've got one loaded up this week, but Kyle, do you want to go first or how are you feeling? I'll go first. Uh, so I was just going to recommend, uh, you know, uh, Sexy Fan Fiction Forum 169. I'm kidding. I am going to recommend uh, Amazon's new. Oh, well, this is just funny because I really. This sounds like I'm about to recommend Critical Role. I was like the long awaited adapt- Amazon adaption <laughs> of a popular fan series. Uh, but no, it's not. The Critical Role, sh- Role show is great, but it's almost too predictable to recommend it. Um, Damn! I watch- There's nothing. It's great. It's abs- If you like Critical Role, you'll like it. If you like Dungeons and Dragons, you'll probably like it. But right. um, the animation's pretty good. But um, no, I was actually going to recommend the new Jack Reacher show on Amazon. Um, Whoa! Continue. I wonder if the kind of people who listen to this, who like uh, the Big Bang Theory, they I don't. It wouldn't surprise me if a lot of them were already Jack Reacher fans, um, because he's There's a very be some crossover. Because he's a very popular. I mean, so Jack, Re- the Jack Reacher books are a series of books written by a guy named Lee Child, of which I think there are like twenty five now. They they don't do like John Grisham numbers, but I think anybody else you could name, uh, like you know uh, James Patterson or any of those guys, I think he's right up there with any of them in terms of like how best, like how often his books appear on the New York Times bestseller list. So they're all these tales about Jack Reacher, who is in many ways, he's not just perfect, he's actually, like, he's more obnoxiously, like, masculinity perfect than a lot of these. Like, he's such an obvious, like, male masculine empowerment fantasy. Sure. Uh, even more so than many, because a lot of times when you have, like, these badass grizzled dudes... Uh, well, let me start like this. So he combines two separate, like, masculine empowerment tropes. The first is uh, he's this incredibly big, sexy, tough guy who can beat up anyone and shoot anyone and kill anyone with his bare hands, which is obviously he's some sort classic. of military killing machine, right? Is that right? The right. Gist? Well, he specifically he's a military police officer, so he was the guy who who caught you know who caught criminals that the army thought were too dangerous to you know leave to amateurs and so uh you know if if someone if a navy seal like murders someone then they send jack reacher or actually i guess that would be the navy if an army ranger murders someone they send jack reacher after him but um so in addition to him being like this this total rambo badass he is also like 
a master detective. So he's like Sherlock Holmes. He's basically Batman, I guess. He's Sherlock Holmes in the body of Conan the Barbarian or Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, an incredibly good-looking, incredibly stoic. And he doesn't have any, you know, soul-crushing job or even report to the army anymore. He literally just wanders from town to town doing whatever he wants and and writing injustice wherever he comes across it, like the Hulk or something. But He's James Bond for people who watched The Office and fantasized about that life. Yeah, I mean, that's not a, that's not a bad comparison. I'm sorry, actually. most of America. Yeah, I, but I mean, for all, all that being said, he's compelling because the books are pretty well written. The storylines are often engaging. It is fun just like how, like how clinically he beats the shit out of people and then solves incredibly complicated and then unravels like incredibly complicated dark small town mysteries um so i i was i and everyone else in my family is a pretty big fan of the books they made two of those books into movies and it was a huge scandal at the time the movies were popular but you know jack reacher in the books is like a six foot five 280 pound man and they cast tom cruise isn't he like open secret five six or something like that he, he however he's not he's the same size as a normal at the very least he is the, there, normal the, sized no one would look at tom cruise and think large let alone gigantic yeah there. whereas the, one of the whole points of jack reacher is he just looks like someone you don't fuck with and so you know, but the movie, I mean, I'm not dissing the movies. I'm just saying it was a famous example of, of miscasting or of just casting against the type of the book. But so Amazon has made a TV show. I don't know who this actor is, but the guy they cast, uh, he he fits the physical bill. And the, the show is pretty slavishly um, faithful so far to the plot of the first book. I only watched like the first episode, but it's all pretty much... Uh, a slight because I think the original book was set in like 1994 well, or how recent is this? How recent is this TV show? It just came out. I mean, the, literally the oh. first episode is dropped, so I'm was, really only recommending the pilot. Was John Krasinski not also Jack Reacher? Or who was he? He was Jack Ryan. I see why that oh. would be confusing for you. He was Tom Clancy. Okay, I absolutely thought the two were the same. So okay, no, never mind. That, Nope. Slightly different. Uh, those are techno thrillers, which is fine, but it's a different thing. So, no, this is a new show in it. So, Jack Reacher, um, you'd like this, Nick, because uh, Jack Reacher is uh, he gets off a bus in a small town in Georgia, which I, I do like this. I was like, I recognize. Or is there and more? Is, <laughs> and is is immediately arrested because somebody got murdered, and they figured, well, it has to be the drifter who just walked into town because it can't be any of the nice citizens. So they immediately like throw him into holding until he can enter. Like talking about, well, do we just like beat him until he confesses to the murder? <laughs> and eventually, people point out, well, this doesn't seem very constitutional, but it is like very. Uh, it's you know, it's a great, it's a great start to a mystery. And then, yeah, it, it goes from there. Um, and I, I know, I remember the whole mystery from the first book, which uh, was actually pretty well structured. So uh, the book is called Killing Floor, if you would rather read that than watch the show. But the show's pretty good. And so it's just called Jack Reacher? Or does it have a special name? 
It's I can't even. It's either called, my guess is it's called Reacher. In my head, it's Reacher. Jack Reacher, but they would probably just call it Reacher. That sounds like a better name for a TV yeah. show, doesn't it? And if it's recent, you're pr- it's probably going to be up front on Amazon anyway, right? Like, yeah, right. Go find it. it. Sounds cool. All right, I am going to do a deep cut this time. I was trying. God. I, I think I mentioned previously, uh, probably like six months, maybe a year ago, I was playing Final Fantasy fourteen and I was just not feeling it. Uh, but this I already have a feeling I know where this is going. Well, this new DLC came out, and so I was like, all right, I'll get back into it, and I'm going to commit this time. I'm just going to pick one character class, and I'm going to follow through on it and really get the most benefit out of this as I can. And as I was doing this, I got like another 30 hours in, read some article about how there was this fan translation of this like really big fan mod to Final Fantasy VI. It's finally in English. Oh, I think I'll go give that a try. And I start playing that. And I'm like, oh, wait, this is fun. And then I'm like, oh, wait a second. Video games are supposed to be fun. Whatever I was doing in Final Fantasy XIV was the opposite of that. It made me want to die. And so I'm not recommending Final Fantasy. And anyone out there playing it, I'm really questioning your whole lifestyle. Uh, but what I have been playing is <laughs> two different fan mod versions of Final Fantasy VI. Yep. And I'm going to recommend both of them, baby. Uh, I don't think I've previously recommended Final Fantasy VI itself, but here's what I'm going to recommend that too. Uh, it came out back in like 94 or something when I was a tween and uh, it has 14 playable characters, most of whom have like a pretty well fleshed out main story of their own uh, and some are just for fun. Uh, but it's great. It's like a, it's like a real ensemble cast. Uh, it has uh, a lot of fun different uh, it, it, it's it doesn't quite have material like Final Fantasy 7 does, but it has, a precursor where I, I won't get into the technicalities of it, but anyway, it's it's a great story, um, and people Argue, love. Many people feel like it's the definitive Final Fantasy game, right? Like if you could only play one, it's one of the best. Like I couldn't tell you what I think is the best, but anyone who doesn't like six is a dumb dumb, and I'll fight you. Uh, it's fantastic, and but uh, it's not perfect, particularly. Uh, it was coded really badly. And so like all sorts of stuff just doesn't work how it's supposed to, at least not in the original version. And the translation too was done by one guy in the course of like two weeks. Uh, And so it's not terrible. Like he did a great job, but it wasn't fantastic. And so fans have really made it their own. And these two versions I've been playing uh, have gone even further where uh, I've been playing what uh, both the brave new world mod, which, uh, kind of ref- it, it, it reframes character development in a way that you have more tightly defined character classes. And so that is fun if you want to, like I often do, have a kind of like nitpicky fun with what you actually want your characters to be rather than having a whole crew of like all-powerful overlords that can learn everything, uh, which is kind of what happened in the first game. Um, but the other version I've been playing is called Final Fantasy, uh, just T edition. And apparently this is like a mod that people have been working on for years and years and years, but it's been only in Japanese. Someone finally translated it to English and 
I think I'm liking this version better because while it doesn't allow you that same level of uh, control over customizing your characters, which I do find frustrating, it has made so many other interesting changes to battles that are really clever. Like there's uh, a, a, a pretty big story fight. Uh, there's early in the game, you most of your characters uh, end up in a three branching path system. Uh, you have to do all three paths and then they reunite at the end for a big battle. There's like 12 of you against a bajillion guys. And it's kind of a breeze in the original game. If, and you fight the boss and he's kind of a pushover because it's just a story thing and it's not supposed to be that big of a challenge to get through. I did that last weekend. Um, it took me hours <laughs> because the boss, it's not a grinding thing. It's, but it's like a, it's like a puzzle and it's frustrating a little bit, but in a way that like really tests your knowledge of the game. And I feel strange like getting so like granular and nerdy about this, but like, I love it. Uh, and so if you are into old games or that game in particular, uh, yeah, go play these. Uh, also, um, you have to know how to like download ROMs and apply patches because none of this shit is, uh, go so- do it. Here's my question. If you were like me, a complete novice who had never played Final Fantasy VI before, well, except on the shitty iPad version that had that you got tired of really quickly. Yeah, uh, that, I, I think that's fundamentally the same game, but it is very ugly. <laughs> which, would, which, which would you consider to be the definitive experience if you were a beginner? Like, which version... Uh, and it doesn't have to be a legal version. <laughs> which which version of the of the ROM plus mods plus trans retranslation would you recommend? If you were to have never ever played it before, um, I would not recommend either of the versions I just played because those uh, expect you to have a pretty good understanding of the game in the first place. Especially the T edition, you will get nowhere in the. It will mutilate you. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> um, if you were to try to play the best version of the base game. Uh, my understanding is that the Game Boy Advance version added a lot of content that didn't make it into the original game and fixed a lot of stuff. Uh, the only downside is that uh, it was working with the relatively limited Game Boy Advance hardware compared to the Super Nintendo, and so that caused some problems. Uh, but I think there... I haven't found this myself because it's just not something I've looked for, but I do believe there are mods... Um, that you can apply to the original SNES ROM that add the stuff from the GBA ROM, and that would probably be perfect to me. Or, apparently there's going to be a remastered version coming out in a couple weeks, but Square has been very lazily putting these out without much effort, and so it's probably going to be dog shit. But who knows? Uh, In a couple weeks, we could have the definitive version. Um, I don't know. Just play it on the Super Nintendo because it's cool. Play it on the Game Boy Advance because it's a little bit better. Uh, but in, just play it however you can because it's a great Or game. I will say that even if you don't want to play it, the, the fucking – the Distant Worlds Final Fantasy V or Final Fantasy VI medley is a fucking bop. Just listen. It's just like all of the <sighs> best music in Final Fantasy VI mixed together to a full ex- orchestral set, you know – in the music in this game it's it's all fantastic and it's something that like 
this is actually the game that got me really into Final Fantasy in the first place. And uh, I've kind of taken for granted a lot of how much of it just rules, including the music. And so, like, when I've been playing it these last couple of weeks, like, every time uh, the, 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 the shitty Super Nintendo synth organ starts open for the, the intro music, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, baby, here we go. It's happening again. Just bah, bah. I love it. And, yeah, it's... I... I, 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 I sent this uh, message to former guest Charlie the, the day that I, I started testing one of these mods out uh, after I didn't decide to give up a Final Fantasy 14, but this is like, I'm going to take a break from one Final Fantasy game by playing another Final Fantasy game, uh, which is disgusting, but that's who I am. And the, the message I sent her was uh, um, Final Fantasy 14 made me forget what fun is. In the same way that trying to read The Fountainhead made me wonder if I'd ever enjoyed a book. Like, it was just like sucking <laughs> life out of me. That's, um, that is cold. But Final Fantasy VI, like, is joy. The The only caveat I would have is, like, it's, it's old. Like, I'm old. This game came out in 93, and if that's too far back for you to reach, I understand. But if you can, like do sprites and 2d combat and stuff oh it's great this is great 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 so i didn't mean to gush like that i did but hey here we are that's okay we both have our you know you're all about final fantasy 6 i'm all about femboy sheldon we should call the title of this episode final fantasy 6 and femboy sheldon um why don't we just call it final femboy sheldon (laughs) six sex six sex Yes. <laughs> no, okay. no, we'll just sit with, right, six. We're sticking with six. All right. Um, sorry, everybody. Format change yet again. We are now Final Fanboy Set Shelton Six. Uh, we are a fan mod of the original podcast that's going to be a lot hornier. Uh, it will have certain changes. For instance, just like in the Brave New World mod, there's going to be items that are named after Slim Jims and Red Bull, which I really don't like. But you know, that's they they you take the good with the bad. <laughs> <sighs> I agree. You know, the show may not be giving us any character development, but I feel like we are coming a long way as people. We are. This is, if anything, uh, the most unfortunate live two-person journal that has ever existed. <laughs> there is a chronicle of how we've developed in relation to our viewing of the Big Bang Theory and now that I've said that out loud, I am abandoning this project. I'm ashamed <laughs> I've taken part in it up to this point. Thanks for nothing. Goodbye. <laughs>